Hello, and welcome back to the Outdoor Minimalist Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Carney, and I'm an outdoor and environmental writer and author of the book, Outdoor Minimalist, Waste Less Hiking, Camping, and Backpacking. Follow the link in the description to pre-order a copy of the book so you'll be the first to receive it on the release date of September 1st, 2022. The Outdoor Minimalist podcast has a goal to give listeners actionable ways to waste less hiking, camping, backpacking, and more during every step of the process. Your impact outdoors starts long before you hit the trail and goes beyond leave no trace ethics. You'll learn how to identify sustainable outdoor brands, how to ask hard questions regarding sustainability, and begin to shift and evolve your mindset to integrate minimalism into all of your outdoor pursuits. Before we get to this week's episode, I just want to say happy Earth Month. So Earth Month is in April because that's what Earth Day is, which is my favorite holiday, big surprise. And to honor Earth Day, many of us in the outdoor industry feel it should be a month-long celebration. So over a three-week period, so from today, April 4th, up until Earth Day, which is April 22nd, Outdoor Minimalist has partnered with Granite Gear Groundskeepers to host the trashiest giveaway you've ever seen. All you have to do is follow all of the Groundskeeper sponsors on Instagram, then on your next hike or walk, pick up three pieces of trash, take a selfie with said trash, vertical images only, and submit the selfie to the Granite Gear's Instagram direct messages. Their official account is at Granite Gear, and they will only be accepting entries until midnight Pacific Standard Time on April 21st. The winner will be announced on Earth Day, which is April 22nd, and will only be contacted by Granite Gear's official Instagram account, at Granite Gear. Some of the amazing prizes in our giveaway include a Granite Gear Crown 2 60-liter backpack, four Kula cloths, two Lava Linens Woven Wonders hand towels, and a pre-ordered copy of the Outdoor Minimalist book. There are several other amazing prizes, and if you want to learn more about how to make a full entry into the giveaway, what some of the other prizes include, and who our other sponsors are, head over to my Instagram page, at outdoor.minimalist.book. Okay, so on to today's episode. In episode 30 of the Outdoor Minimalist podcast, we are talking about reforestation projects. This is a really interesting topic to me because how reforestation is done and how companies claim these types of projects are carried out can really vary. So to help me explain the importance of reforestation and how more outdoor industry companies can get involved, I'd like to introduce Mindy Crowell. Mindy is the Reforestation Partnerships Director at the National Forest Foundation. Mindy holds a Master's Certificate in Natural Resources Conflict Resolution from the University of Montana, along with experience in developing and implementing public engagement campaigns, facilitation, and fund development. As a former co-host and producer on the Outlandish podcast, Mindy loves hearing about the stories and adventures people have on our public lands, and she is passionate about positively impacting America's favorite national real estate. So thank you for joining me today, Mindy. I am really looking forward to learn more about your work with the National Forest Foundation and how more outdoor industry companies can get involved in these important restoration projects. But before we get into all of that, can you tell us a little bit more about how you got involved in outdoor recreation and your current role in the outdoor industry? Hi, Meg. Yeah, I definitely can tell you more about that. Thanks for having me here today. 
my role in outdoor recreation is really through my work with National Forest Foundation, um, and that's just the or- nonprofit organization that supports conservation work on national forests. I am kind of a self-described indoorsy person <laughs> normally. However, I, I always love to tell people that there's so many different ways to recreate outside and get that amazing outdoor experience and it doesn't have to look a certain way. So Meg, for me, that is glamping. <laughs> Usually I'm real close to the Boise National Forest and my husband and I built out the back of a truck that made it a little bit nicer for me to go camping. And, you know, I just love getting out with the dogs. I'm a trail runner and uh, hanging out by the river. Those are all awesome things. I also like glamping. I probably don't do it as much as I maybe want to, but all types of camping I think are fun. Yes. Yeah. And I was uh, just looking at through your podcast list and, you know, I saw that you did the public lands kind of prescription episode and I just am a huge believer in how good for our mental health and physical health it is just to be outside. And um, that can just be standing in a park or in a forest. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be a hardcore recreating, which I think is what we see a lot of. Yeah, especially on social media. I definitely had to kind of make that switch mentally to be like, I'm still spending time outside if I'm lounging in my backyard. And it's still beneficial. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Totally, totally. So with the National Forest Foundation, which we can call NFF moving forward, can you just talk a little bit more about what exactly that is, when it was established, and maybe the mission? Yeah, I'd love to. The National Forest Foundation is a nonprofit, and it's an interesting and it's a unique one in that it was chartered by Congress in 1992. And what that means, Meg, is that we have a special relationship working with the U.S. Forest Service. We are one of the only conservation organizations that works solely with the U.S. Forest Service. And um, another thing that that means is that we work only on national forest lands. So that is different than a national park, you know, like Yellowstone or Glacier. Sometimes those get the headlines and people really, they're beautiful and they're amazing. Um, What I love about national forests is that they're free to everyone that wants to go enjoy them. And then I know you're a dog lover. I also am a dog lover. We can take our dogs on national forests. So I always think it's important to differentiate that. But what the National Forest Foundation does is that we help support the the U.S. Forest Service and taking care of those lands. So we work on things from fixing a trail or a campground that um, maybe got overrun over the last couple of years with the increase in recreation we saw. The part that I work on is a reforestation team. So we help raise funds to get trees planted. And I'm sure you have heard about and most of your listeners have heard about these catastrophic wildfires that have been happening. So we really come in and help raise money to get work done on the lands that were devastated by those wildfires and replanting trees. Okay, that's interesting. So it's kind of across the board rehabilitation per se, but not just reforestation. Yes, and that's a great, great word for it. Not just, and definitely not just reforestation. We have programs that help get youth outside that maybe don't typically have access to national forests or public lands. We have, as I said, you know, forest restoration work. So coming in and trying to prevent wildfire. So doing funding, prescribed burning or removing timber that is dead or been killed by insects to prevent wildfire. So we have our hands in a lot of different things. And across 
the country. So we now have staff in Alaska all the way down to Texas and we cover the East Coast. So we're we're kind of sprinkled across the country at this point. So because your role is primarily focused in reforestation, we'll kind of stick with that topic area if that's okay with you. The role of reforestation is interesting to me because like you already mentioned that we often think of the wildfires and having to regrow all of that. But are there other areas in conservation and recreation where reforestation happens? So aside from just replanting after wildfire? Yes. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I mentioned um, insect kill. So we have we do a lot of work in Colorado. They are struggling with pine beetle kill um, that can damage a forest climate is changing so that can damage a forest invasive species and the cool thing about what we do meg is i am am not the expert that says oh you know there was a fire or there was a disruption of some sort and we need to plant trees we utilize the skills of the forest service to do that work so i call them the ologists they have their scientists their silver culturists out there determining where this reforestation is gonna have the maximum impact and restoring habitat, uh, restoring water. And then they also determine the types of trees and the why those need to go in in the ground. And I'm always really grateful I don't have to make those decisions. Yeah, having experts in all of the different areas of the country makes a lot of sense just to make sure that you're getting the appropriate biodiversity and all that jazz. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you'll see articles come out every once in a while, Meg, about like, you know, reforestation is really hot topic right now. A lot of organizations are doing this work, which I think is key to overcoming the challenges. However, it's really important to make sure that those trees are going in the right place at the right time and the right kind of tree. What is, I guess, what would the impact be if you were planting the wrong trees? Oh gosh, I'm going to be winging this a little (laughs) bit, but um, you know, I mean, there's definitely like problems with drought. So if you planted trees that needed a lot of water, that is something people need to think about. And then invasive species, which I'm not an expert on, but there can be a lot of devastation there if, if people are, are just you know planting things that, that don't belong or aren't naturally existing in a certain space. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. And because you cover so much of the United States, I'm also curious, do you do any sort of rehabilitation for like prairie scapes? Oh, the NFF does. In my particular program, we do not, but we definitely, we cover national forests and grasslands. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, I feel like oftentimes when we talk about these things, the grasslands get kind of left out. And <laughs> they do, they do. And they're, and they're beautiful. And, you know, Meg, folks can go to our website, because we do have our lot of our hands in a lot of different things. But that's nationalforestsplural.org. And you can see all of our different programs there. And we have some very cool grassland restoration projects going on. Perfect. And I'll put the link to that in the episode notes. So if people want to check that out later, they can. So since we're talking a lot about the different programs and things like that, what are some of your ongoing restoration projects right now? So specific to reforestation? Yeah. Um, Well, we have, so every year we get different projects from the Forest Service. So the way that it works, Meg, is that they reach out to all their local employees across the country and ask, okay, what projects do you need funded this year? They put together a big comprehensive list and we, we get those projects 
each year and then we fundraise to support those projects and we have as you can probably guess we have projects really heavy over on the west coast so oregon california idaho montana where we've been getting hit really hard with wildfire and then we also have projects you know over in the south as i said we recently got a project in texas we have projects over on the Chattahoochee National Forest. So it, it really it really depends, but anywhere that has a national forest likely could have a tree planting project on it, depending on the, the Forest Service team there and their needs. Okay, that's awesome. Yeah, and I, I love this tool that we have on our website. And um, if you wanna go check it out, it's this tree planting map and mm. it shows everywhere we've planted trees on this map from uh, 2018 until till last year and then we'll update it each year and it's cool you can kind of check on the box for each year and see what we've done and then it has little color-coded trees all over the country to show you where we've planted that's so cool i love those interactive website maps to kind of demonstrate the different projects and growth and things so that's I'll have to check that out. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's fun to see, you know, a lot of people don't know, like, what is there a national forest close to me? I think the statistic is that the average person is within a two hour drive of a national forest. So, you know, it's it's cool to just go on there. Or if you're traveling to a new state, you can check it out and see if there's national forests nearby. Yeah, I think like you mentioned, I definitely gravitate towards national forests a lot more because I travel with my dogs, but a lot of people are more likely to feel like to go into those designated national or state parks. But national forests offer a lot of great recreation opportunities. Oh yeah, and they're they're gorgeous and you know, there are there are even typically national forests close to those, you know, park systems or the kind of the bigger stars um, and you can go and you can spend a day there and you're kind of in the same environment it's just probably less people and um, free. <laughs> yes that's always a plus. So you mentioned that you do some fundraising to support these projects so is that how all of the restoration and reforestation I mean projects are funded? Pretty much, I guess, is the the simple answer there. So um, I talked a little bit about our partnership with the Forest Service. So we're raising funds for the seedlings. The Forest Service is still using their their budget or their capacity, like staff capacity, to go out and plant the trees. They hire the crews. Another thing I'm very thankful that I don't have to do because these folks are out there with these one to two year old seedlings on their back. I mean, their backpacks are probably like 20 or 30 pounds and they have to schlep these things up really rugged terrain and get them planted in the ground. So what I fundraise for, what, what my team fundraises for is to purchase those seedlings for the Forest Service. So it's kind of like a matching program. Okay, can you explain a matching program, I guess? Is that like a like if you purchase something? Yeah, so a matching program is where we are we are sharing the financial burden with someone else. So Forest Service is spending some of their money to get the work done and we're coming in and helping to to bolster that. So they might have to had spend a quite a bit amount to get the project running to get the project prepared and then we we literally are with with donor dollars and i'll talk to you a little bit about the difference between all of our donors but with the donor dollars we're literally purchasing seedlings okay that makes sense and i am so my head keeps going to when you see on people's websites like often product producers like buy one I don't know, bag or something, and we'll plant a tree. Is that similar? Mm-hmm. Yes, we have a lot of partners. 
corporate partners or small business partners that sell a product and they love that model. I think it's just so approachable as a customer. People are really attracted to that. So that would be something where, for example, if it was a small business partner that was selling t-shirts and they were doing a buy one t-shirt and plant one tree, they would coordinate with us and say, okay, you know, we, we're going to sell 5,000 t-shirts. So we're going to need to purchase 5,000 seedlings. And with our model, $1 donated equals one tree planted. So that's, that's how those kind of things, marketing campaigns work. Okay, that's good to know. I'm always skeptical of those types of campaigns unless they are being really explicit about the tree planting project itself. So if they do partner with you, does it say partnered with NFF or the National Forest Service or something like that? We would, we really hope so. We, we share our logo with all of our corporate partners so that they're able to do that. And small business partners, they get a tree planting partner badge. So you do, and I love that you look for that, Meg, because I think that's important. You do want to look and see who are they planting trees with and is that say, an organization that, that you would yourself donate to? Are they doing it with the, a good model that you know that those trees are going in the ground in the right way? Yeah, so... You, since we're kind of on this train of funding and talking about company partnerships and things like that, are most of the companies that you guys partner with in the outdoor industry or is it kind of random? It's so random. Yeah. And I love it when we see a partner come in that's like, whoa, I wouldn't have thought that they would be, you know, involved in this kind of a model. I mean, we have folks that sell, say, outdoor gear and then we have we have a wine partner, uh, Copper Cane Wineries. We have recently Maybelline and Walgreens launched a really cool tree planting campaign with us. We have a partner that, you know, that makes a sustainable project called Boxed Water. So it's really all over the board. I had this year, someone came to us that was doing a blockchain um, and they wanted to purchase trees. So anybody, anybody can partner. And with that case too, Meg, it, I think it's important to know anybody can partner at at any level, you can be involved with this. So we have little kids that donate like $5 and that equals five trees. So I think that's important for people to know that it's an, it's an approachable model. I love that. You know, we have huge partners that give us a million dollars and I think that's amazing. I also think it's just as important, you know, for my seven-year-old niece to be able to do a fundraiser with her class. Yeah, I guess I didn't realize that individuals could also donate. It makes a lot of sense. For some reason, I thought it was only these corporate or company partnerships. But that is really cool that, I don't know, maybe like an elementary school class or something like that, they could do a fundraiser and it could all go to planting trees. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think that's really important piece of it because we want, you know, national forests are for everyone. And so it, it makes sense to me that our model... Um, exemplifies that and lets everyone be involved at any level. When we're thinking about joining at any level or contributing at any level, um, I know a lot of people that listen to this podcast are also small business owners. And I feel like the outdoor industry or sustainable companies that I have interviewed, a lot of them are kind of in those beginning starter stages. And it's kind of hard to implement a bunch of certifications all at once. And so I think it's interesting because with NFF, you can really do it to any degree. 
you know, like it doesn't have to be a million dollars. It could be X number per all the products that you are selling. So if there was a company that was just starting out or I guess at any level, how exactly do they get involved and start that partnership? Awesome. Yeah, I'm so glad you brought that up, Meg. We recently brought on a new team member to the reforestation team, and she is really focusing in on our small business partner program and trying to bolster that and provide support to our small business partners. So if someone wanted to be a small business partner, the way we have it set up, it, it's, it's pretty plug and play. They can go to our website, they can sign themselves up. They don't have to have an additional meeting or schedule a time to talk to anybody. And there is a small sign up fee that helps pay for that colleague that I was just mentioning and, and for her to be able to support the program, but it's a one-time fee. And then after that, a small business owner can make any amount, any donation, any amount at whatever scheduled interval works for them. So if they wanna do a monthly donation, if they wanna do quarterly, we just ask that they stay involved at some level within a six month period. And that just helps us track who's active and maybe who's taking a little break. So we know who's actively engaging. They could do $25 a month. They could do, you know, a thousand in a particular month. If if they want to flex it out, it doesn't have to be a set amount. And no matter what they do, it's always $1 equals one tree planted. So they can keep track of the dollars they donated and know exactly how many trees that they have planted with us. And then the other thing that I think is really cool with that, Meg, is that um, we send out a resource kit to all of our partners and that helps them tell the story of what they're doing. So they get that partner badge. We encourage our partners to shout it from the rooftops because part of our mission is that we wanna actively engage folks in the care of and protection of our public lands. So they get a resource kit that helps them with social media posts. They wanna put signage up in their store. They get those graphics. And then we do additional resources for all of our partners around this time of year. You can guess with Earth Month. And then um, just when you sign up, you get that resource kit as well. Yeah, that's so nice because I think sometimes, especially when people are telling their sustainability or green story, it can be hard to know how to really explain how that is beneficial. Yeah, and I, I'm glad you brought that up. We also do an impact report every year, and that's for anyone. Anyone can go look at that on our website, but it talks about it in a really approachable way. Like, you know, this is um, how many trees equals how many carbon, how much carbon was uh, removed, or, you know, how many times you could drive back and forth from LA to New York. So we, we try to put it in a in hundred different ways so that you know it's easy to talk to your customers about what you're doing. So I'm not sure exactly how to phrase this question, but I guess why don't you think more outdoor industry brands aren't getting involved in this type of program? I don't know if it is just a lack of understanding the ease at which you could get engaged. I think in particular small businesses, if folks are just hustling and it's like another thing they have to search and, and look into, it might seem overwhelming. Because the other cool thing, and there are a lot of nonprofits out there doing great work. So of course I'm representing NFF, but I would just encourage folks to look up who's doing like local work in their area. If it's, if it's important to them to be hyper local, we might have staff there doing work aside from restoration and we would, they would be able to support that work. But I, so I'm not sure the full barrier. And then I guess I'm curious in your experience through your interviews or your networking, 
do you feel like that's shifting? Do you feel that the outdoor rec industry is starting to kind of wake up to the importance of that? I think involvement is growing in the outdoor industry, but I think that it looks different for every company, you know, and then like how they represent it. Like for a lot of product producers, it def- the focus is definitely more on the life cycle of a product. So they're going more for climate neutral or things like B Corp certified to represent ethical practices. One thing that I like about the climate neutral certification is that it involves projects like yours, where they're looking for ways not only to offset their emissions, but to make them negative or to improve their process in other ways. So uh, I think it is a lot of what you're kind of saying is like, maybe it's just not super accessible or not well understood that it is an option. And then I think on the flip side, sometimes tree planting specifically can be greenwashed, whereas they'll use it to cover up that, oh, actually, we don't have super ethical production practices, but look, we plant trees sometimes. Yeah, it definitely can. And I think we see the full spectrum of that, of folks coming in and wanting to engage. But I tell myself as well, you know, at least they're doing something and (laughs) tree planting on a national forest does make a, a good impact on, you know, the entire country, the entire world. There's a lot of different models that we see organizations using to come in and, and try to get to net zero or um, offset their impact in some way. Do you work with any of the carbon sequestering certifications? We don't right now. Um, that's such a great question, Megan. We are seeing a lot of our our corporate partners in particular are really looking for those offsets because we work with the forest service and they're just not there yet and providing offsets on national forests that's a a whole nother world uh that i am just kind of kindergarten level of learning of what's going on with that but because of the restrictions and the regulations and the way that national forests are managed they're just having a hard time figuring out what that would look like we we do have partners though that do both we have partners i'm thinking of one of our partners that they're just a great example of really truly shooting shooting to be sustainable. It's Mason Louise Murray. And they actually hired an outside organization to come in and look at what they do. They create a product. So they, they're, they're using items, they're putting items out into the world. So they had an outside organization come in and say, okay, you know, you're selling this much, you're creating this much. So they do tree planting with us and they buy offsets with a different organization. Oh, okay. Yeah, I like those, I guess, like carbon audits or sustainability audits for companies. I think that it is useful. I mean, not only for them, but also for consumers to see what exactly is happening along the entire life cycle process, because we don't often think of that. Exactly, yeah. And I think consumers are becoming more savvy and doing that research and looking at companies like like you mentioned earlier oh i see buy one plant one tree and it raises a red flag i think companies are getting that message and we are seeing them come in with more of an intention to make sure they're doing it right so that consumers can can tell that about them yeah that's good that's good i'm glad to hear that 
Um, so you talked a little bit about like exactly the steps a company can go through if they want to get involved. And I'm guessing it's relatively similar on the website. If if individuals want to get involved, there's probably a great interface to kind of just go and check that out. But how do you think in the outdoor industry, we can kind of start to push for more people to get involved in these types of projects? Oh, I love that question. I think, you know, education is key on sharing sharing out the message of not only how easy it is, but what are the the expected outcomes and the impacts that replanting, reforestation is creating. I think just removing any hurdles that we can for folks that want to come in and engage. So as you, you nailed it, Meg, it's super easy for an individual donor to click on our website, click here, you know, and, and purchase trees. So we try to remove any barriers that stand in the way. And then I think it's all, it's just gonna be education. It's gonna be talking to teachers about it and getting curriculum in classrooms about reforestation, getting kids outside, um, which is a big, a big push internally to do more of that with youth engagement, because that is gonna be is going to be huge for overcoming these challenges moving forward. And you talked a little bit about projects, I guess, like a couple of them that are going on right now that sounded really interesting. But you just mentioned now um, what some of the outcomes are. So I guess for listeners, like what are the specific benefits of reforestation? Yeah, that's such that's a great question. So I'm going to refer again to our tree planting impact report. There are so many benefits. We've written multiple blogs about this to help share out and make it um, a little bit more digestible to folks. But I'm laughing. There's one I have in front of me. It's the 30 things you should know about tree planting. So I think even when we're trying to make it a bit more bite-sized, we still end up with a list of 30, which is kind of funny. But, you know, tree planting, it's not only for aesthetics and it of course helps with you know taking carbon out of the air but also will improve wildlife habitat connectivity it's going to remove pollutants from the air and acts as a natural air filter i also i just saw a statistic here i wanted to share oh the u.s forests absorb approximately 12 percent of the country's carbon emission every year so if you think about how much of the forests need this restoration, that's a pretty big impact. That is a huge impact. I didn't realize because I feel like when I think of forests and stuff like that, I feel like there's so little of it actually left because it has been developed for things like cities or agriculture or something like that, that I didn't really think the percentage would be that high. Yeah. And I think to help you with that, um, you know, think about nas- our national forests cover 193 million acres of this country and so maybe that will help you uh, with that visualization Meg of like that's a that's a pretty big chunk of land so what happens on those forests even if you don't live near one it's impacting the air you breathe and the water that you drink yeah so I'll share some of those resources um, from your website in the show notes and you've mentioned the website quite a few times I definitely recommend people go and check that out if they have a moment especially if you own a company in the outdoor industry and you want to get involved so if listeners want to learn more about NFF and your many reforestation projects, what's the best way to reach out? Yeah, definitely check out the website. So that's the nationalforests.org. If you're interested in 
the other areas that we're working in, you can see a big list there and you'll be able to find my colleagues and their emails. If you are interested in a local project, I really encourage you to reach out if you want to help support those. I think reforestation, as we talked about, Meg, is super popular right now. People love to fund it. Companies love to fund it because it's a good, clean model to share with their customers. And I love that. I also would be remiss if I didn't encourage folks to look at the, the bigger picture and thinking about what's happening in their area and what work needs to be done. And maybe those projects are going to need funding as well. So check out the website. You can see where all the different tree planting projects are. And we have great blog page on there that you can learn more about what species goes where and why you can learn about what animals are impacted by this work. And so it's just a really cool resource to get educated on, on what we're working on. And then if a small business wants to get involved, as I said, super easy, they can get on there and sign themselves up or they can find uh, my colleague Abby's information on there and reach out if they have more questions. And then I am the primary person to reach out to if folks are looking for a larger partnership. So thinking about the larger corporate partnerships, that would be me. Well, thank you for sharing that. And I have one more question, I guess, about resources on your website. If there were educators of any level, I guess, are there things on there that they would be able to use? Yes, uh, there definitely are. I think the blogs I mentioned are a great place to start. And Meg, I just, just this last week had a conversation with one of my colleagues of like, we need to create some packets for teachers um, so they can just like download some curriculum. So to be continued on that, um, she requested we wait till after Earth Month to begin those conversations. But I think even without that, uh, folks can go in there and look at the blog and find some great information. Well, yeah, I was kind of envisioning some type of like packet or like interactive um, worksheet like you were explaining. So people can just kind of be on the lookout in the future then for that. And do you guys have social media? Yes. So you can follow us on Instagram and we have a TikTok channel, which makes me feel very oh, cool. So <laughs> I know nothing about it, but um, I have smarter, hipper colleagues that are running that. <laughs> so you can find us on, on TikTok. And then um, Instagram, you know, I've mentioned a couple times, we're moving into April, which I know I'm calling Earth Month. Some people just think Earth Day, but at National Forest Foundation, we call it the whole month. So there's gonna be some fun stuff going on on social media for that. We're gonna be sharing out a lot of great resources for our new, for our partners, small business and corporate partners to share out. And it's just, it's a great time for people to get energized about the work that we do and the things that need to get done on the land to help protect it. Yes, very cool. There's a lot of really cool work and projects that are happening with NFF and I'm just so happy that you had time to chat about it. Yes, thank you for having me, Meg. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And if you like what you hear, let me know. Leave a review and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. New content has begun to appear on the Outdoor Minimalist Patreon. Head over to theoutdoorminimalist.com for more information about our listener support and patron exclusives. You can still find me on Instagram at outdoor.minimalist.book. Follow there for daily updates, other educational resources, and to help build an outdoor community with a shared goal to create a better outdoor space as we recreate.